Welcome to the Marshall Pruitt Podcast and the second of our Racer Roundtable features. That's right. You don't care about me. What you care about. We have Racer's NASCAR reporter, the awesome Kelly Crandall. We have, all right, I undersold you a bit in the first episode, Snoot Medley Med. Racer's Formula One correspondent, ace reporter, a sexy man you have seen in Formula One's Drive to Survive Season 1, Chris Medland. How are the two of you in a really crazy week in motorsports? Yeah, unfortunately, crazy week that I wasn't expecting and certainly wasn't hoping for. I wanted to be busy. I was hoping somebody would announce something or do something, but certainly not to the extent of Kyle Larson. But other than that, everything's been good. Yeah, Kyle Larson's been sort of the talk of this household as well. It's just been a little bit crazy, hasn't it? But um, I'm sure Kelly's got plenty to talk about. It's one of those strange things, isn't it, where we're all trying to have plenty to get on with. And then uh, something drops in your lap, which you wouldn't want to see happen. Um, but it, you know, the news cycle just does not stop. That is the truth, friends. So if you haven't, please pay a visit to racer.com. Kelly and Chris have indeed been churning out plenty of content. That's what I wanted to get into here, especially of late, since there has been a lot to get into negative a lot of negatives, sadly, not only with the Kyle Larson situation, but also with some losses. The amazing, the great Sterling Moss, Chris, some of what you wrote uh, was was beautiful. And so we'll, we'll get into that a little bit. We have some of the stimulus money, the Paycheck Protection Program, uh, and whatnot to get into. So a lot of stuff sitting there. Uh, folks might go and read. Thank you as well to Cooper Tires and the Justice Brothers for supporting everything that I do here. Kelly, got to open the show with you, and I am sure you're on about your third keyboard this week because you have been typing a plenty, all due to someone committing career suicide on Sunday night playing a virtual game. Tell us about your world. Folks have read about Kyle. You've written a lot about Kyle. Share with us the reporter side. What has this been like? How did you first learn? What did your Sunday night turn into? Yeah, you know, it was quite interesting uh, that you asked that because it it has been interesting kind of how it all has unfolded from the behind the scenes aspect. I mean, for me personally, you know, it happened kind of late Sunday night. And uh, at that point, you know, I was I wasn't online. I wasn't on my computer I was actually kind of settled in and reading a book and kind of just disconnecting a little bit. And I got a text message in one of the group chats that I have with some fellow media members. And um, he actually told us. Uh, I can't remember exactly what he said. And I, I immediately went to Twitter and I, I searched uh, Twitter searched Kyle Larson's name because I didn't see anything in my immediate timeline and um, as soon as I did that, uh, one of my friends again shared the audio link um, that was at that point starting to make the rounds on Twitter. And I have to be honest with you, I was nervous at first to even click on it and listen, even though I knew what was coming, just because it is one of those things that I knew was going to make you cringe and um, is something that was going to be very uncomfortable. And I think I, I listened to it, I think now about three times and... I just, uh, my jaw dropped. Um, 
not necessarily that he said it. Um, it was the way in which he said it. Uh, just It sounded so casual and so easy coming from him. And that was the part that really shocked me and really took me back. And uh, I immediately remember talking to my boyfriend, who is a motorsports photographer, also works for World of Outlaws. Um, and we started talking right away as we're talking in our group chat. And, and I'm just like, this is not good. This is not going to be good at all. And uh, sure enough, Twitter started more and more, started picking up on it on Twitter. And uh, immediately, and again, in our group chat with some of my media friends, we were already starting to hear that there was conference calls going on. And uh, I knew by Monday morning, this was going to be very, very bad. And um, I was not surprised at all once it started to unfold how it unfolded. As soon as the sponsors started making statements, you could tell that it was probably not going to be the end of it. You know, for instance, you look at a Credit One Bank statement. You know, their first statement, of course, uh, denounced what Kyle said, but their last sentence of the statement was something to the effect of, we are prepared to take additional action. And when I read that a few times, I kind of got the idea that, okay, this they might terminate this, and this might be the beginning. And then sure enough, you know, by the end of Monday night, all the sponsors were dropping, and... Um, by Tuesday morning, I would say probably probably about a half hour before it officially happened, I just had a feeling that Kyle Larson's tenure with Chip Ganassi Racing was over because, again, at that point, all the sponsors, Chevrolet was clearly not happy. Um, so, yeah, that just the way in which it's unfolded has been one of those things where I've been afraid to leave my computer. I've been afraid to uh, walk away from my telephone or even just go for a walk or pick up a book because it's wow. been one thing. It's been one thing after another. You just don't know who's going to say something, who's going to offer a statement. You don't know who's going to comment on it. So um, it's been very, very busy. And I feel like the reason all the, I mean, I know on Twitter, some people have been upset that there's been so many tweets and so many stories, but there's so many people involved that you can't cover something like this and not put out every single statement and not put out, every single piece of news story and you know from a reporter perspective i'm sure you guys both know too when when you when we publish those stories and they blow up as quickly as they have you can't just simply go in there and add an update you got to write a whole other story because by that point thousands of people have already seen it so that is what has led to you know numerous kyle larson stories this week and just trying to stay on top of it all and waiting to see who's going to be the next person to comment on it so yeah, it's been very busy. And again, I mean, the biggest thing is just trying to make sure I don't miss something or someone who's issued a statement. But uh, today ha today and yesterday so far has, has been a little bit calmer. So I'm thankful for that. So one of the things, and I know Chris can attest to this as well, something bad happens, whatever it is. Pick the sport. Could be a crash. Could be whatever. Something negative, definitively negative happens. It's often the situation where getting folks to speak, to give you words, give you insight, even if it's just on background as a reporter, that can be, those are often the hardest situations. No one wants to talk. No one wants to add what they think is fuel to the fire, yet as someone tasked with delivering the message, writing the report, or providing analysis or opinion, when that faucet gets shut off, boy, it does make your life hard 
What has this been like for you, Kelly, wanting to do more than, again, just use a statement issued by here or there, but actually speak to people on or off the record and get context or insight, something to help you add an additional layer of reporting or insight? The biggest thing for me is just to continue to be fair. You know, in a situation like this, you don't want to pile on in a sense, which is something that a lot of people have accused myself and other media members of already doing. Um, so you, you want to be fair, you but you also know you have to tell the story. And again, that goes back to, you know, if, if Chevrolet puts a statement out, sharing that statement, if they update their statement, sharing the updated statement, okay, well, now we're dealing with he has multiple sponsors. So making sure, okay, can we get anything from them? And yeah, there has been a few, not many conversations. I will admit I have not had many conversations with folks yet. Just trying, you know, just to understand uh, their thoughts or maybe some background stuff. There's been a few. There was one I had late Tuesday night, I believe it was, uh, that was, you know, just between, you know, me and, and somebody that I know in the sport is more just a friendly friend to friend conversation, but it did help, you know, provide me with just some off the record background information of what's going on. So again, the biggest thing for me through all of this is right now, just trying to be fair, cover it from a news perspective, and then also, you know, do my due diligence and write a column about it because it is a topical piece of information. And, and it is a big deal. It's a very, very big deal. So, uh, but you don't want to pile on, right? You don't want to go on social media and uh, blast Kyle Larson or respond to every negative thing. You don't want to, as somebody told me, you don't want to drag out the conversation. You want to help move it forward and, you know, focus on the next thing and the next part of the story. So, Again, you know, the biggest thing for me is just been trying to be fair, be accurate, um, you know, and maybe as we go on later on, there will be more people who will talk about it. Uh, but for right now, it's actually pretty quiet. I had one uh, PR rep say to me that um, their driver, of course, is is very careful right there not to say anything, not even to go on Twitter and mm. hit a, and, and hit a like on a tweet on any kind of tweet just because, you know, if somebody sees it and takes it the wrong way. So um, Corey LaJoy and his podcast, uh, excellent podcast, by the way, for race fans. Uh, you know, he was very reserved on his opinion. He really didn't want to get too much into it. Uh, you know, Dale Jr. was a little more out there on his podcast and, and basically said what a lot of us have said, which is, hey, if that word is not in your vocabulary to begin with, it doesn't come out the way in which it came out. So, yeah, there's there's been some background conversations, but um, honestly, you know, not a whole lot right now. It's kind of just been uh, letting this play out, letting the news part of it play out. And, there, and, I'm, and again, I'm sure there'll be plenty more conversation as this goes on, as this develops, you know, when you know, if there's another driver named to that car, it'll, the conversation will come up again. But yeah, right now it's just more trying to understand what's been going on. And, you know, again, that doesn't necessarily have to be used for a story, but, uh, you know, to your point, it helps kind of understand what's going on. So, um, yeah, a little, little bit of that's been happening. Not ready to leave this topic yet, but loving our boy, Mr. Medlin, and hopefully he hasn't fallen asleep because uh, I haven't called on him yet. Would love, Chris, to get your thought on something Kelly mentioned on the wanting to move it forward and not 
prolong or extend this, I have seen a, a immediately so many race fans expressing something similar. You know, come on, you know, uh, suspend them or do this or do that. But, you know, it was a mistake. Let's move forward. There's a giant wish I've seen on social media for, wow, this is really uncomfortable and uncool. Let's hit the throttle and try and get past it so we can get out of this really, I mean, there speaking about race and racism and N-words and such, it mean, folks would rather just stab themselves in the eye. Most people, right? Like, please, let, can we get out of this and get back to fun? That's something I've seen tons of, as you mentioned, Kelly. I tend to have a little bit of a different view of, that certainly is my mindset with many things, but with something like this, maybe we need to let it sit and marinate. Maybe something like this, isn't something we hit the throttle on. Maybe we need to sit in this uncomfortable place for a prolonged period so that we don't normalize it as quickly as possible. That's my view. What is yours, Chris, and something like this? Is it from a reporting standpoint, from a just general member of the community standpoint, what's your mindset and how you how do you work the throttle on a, something explosive like this? Yeah, I'm with you. I think that you don't jump ahead and, and try and sweep it under the carpet or move ahead of it too quickly because it's just such a complex issue. And um, I was at dinner last night with um, my girlfriend and her parents and the topic came up then because, yeah, I mean, it's come up quite a lot during this, this week because it's been such a big story in the motorsport world. And um, between my girlfriend and her mum, things got quite heated as they were discussing different sort of contexts and opinions and just just is such a complex uh, world to explore and that needs doing because you know it, people don't just sit and agree on it um and people have some pretty uh trying to think of the right term to use in this to, to be sensitive but some but less strong opinions that others will strongly disagree with but they're still valid or or fair arguments that need to be brought up to help move things on and I think it's better that people are actually doing that and having these kind of discussions and having this awkwardness, like you say, uh, rather than just kind of going, oh, don't like that. Let's get let's get past it. Let's get away from it. So, um, yeah, I, I'm definitely one that feels like it, it all needs reporting, it all needs talking about, and it all needs going in, in depth with. Um, as Kelly said, you don't want to make um, Carl Larson out to be the only guy who's ever done wrong in his life. But similarly things like when you're getting all these statements and these releases and other people's opinions, you've you can only report what they are giving out because that gives a gives across the general tone, feeling, um, attitude to towards what's happened. And uh, in the same way that if someone came out and, and defended him or um or, or gave another side of an argument or whatever it was, or, or, you know, say a sponsor came out and stood by him, then that would get reported too. So in, in that sense, it's not the reporter's fault that it seems like it's piling on um, when it's reporting the news side of things. Uh, and then the yeah, I read Kelly's um, op-ed as well, which I thought was really fair and a, a good point and kind of just added some context to it uh, nicely. So um, I think it is something that needed, that needs um, kind of focusing on, but I can understand from one perspective, as you say, People want to move on because it's negative, and right now isn't exactly a um, 
a chocolates and roses kind of situation in the world, is it, with everything else going on? So people want good news rather than bad news. So I, I can understand why uh, some people have reacted even more strongly to it and just want to want to get away from it. Kelly, you want to come back here in, I don't want to say close on this topic because, you know, it'll last however long is best. But the other aspect to this is the one that saddens me as much. I don't know where it falls, but it, it makes me sad. And it is for your side of the sport. NASCAR, we know it's well-known, pretty ugly aspects. We're talking in the matters of race, specifically the series, the sanctioning body has been making an effort. I'm not going to give a grade to that effort, but has been trying to transition out of that Confederate flag past towards a more inclusive future. Then you have Kyle Larson, a biracial kid of all things, seemingly (laughs) get the blowtorch and light a lot of progress on fire and potentially set NASCAR back. Question for you, and I'm not asking you to be the sole representative for NASCAR, but it is your world, and I know you have to have sorrow for, damn it, this hits all of us, this sets all of us back. Any thoughts on short-term and long-term repercussions in a sport that we know NASCAR financially has been in a bit of a hard time as well, right? I mean, you could not pick a worse time for any racing series to have something like this happen. NASCAR in particular with the past is trying to move in the past. Man, I, I felt a lot of a lot of sadness for you in the NASCAR community as a whole. Just curious what's it like on the inside and what views you have about how this might hurt the place you love. I don't I don't think that it's I think it's fair to say that this absolutely hurts the sport and it certainly sets the sport back because to your point nascar wants to try very hard to get rid of all those stereotypes to uh erase part of its past which includes confederate flags and which includes um you know i ryan mcgee of espn actually did a fantastic piece that i shared yesterday uh sharing you know some of the things that nascar uh you know, will be brought up when people look to point, well, look, you know, look at their history, you know, um, I believe, you know, some of it, of you know, not just the Confederate flags, but you look at what I believe, you know, standing with um, George Wallace or, or gosh, if I got that wrong, you know, delete it. Um, but, but no, there's no. a, You're good. There, yeah, there, there is a history of, of the sport that, that NASCAR does not want to be reminded of. And when something like this happens, that's the first thing people are going to do. You know, they're going to say, they're going to turn around and say, Oh, well, of course, look, it's NASCAR. Look, it's a NASCAR driver. It's a white NASCAR driver. You know, um, you mentioned inclusion. And I think, I think something like this, what it does is I think it brings up the conversation of whether or not NASCAR is doing enough with its diversity program and with, Uh, making people feel welcome. And that's a conversation, again, going back to the group chat that I have with some fellow media members of, you know, we all sat around the last couple of days and we've been talking just about that between ourselves of 
you know, I don't think that they are doing enough. Um, this diversity program that they have, it's, it's great to say that they have, but is it working? You know, is that a conversation that we need to have? Is the program working? Is the program actually making people feel welcome? Is the program actually helping us include more diversity in our sport? And uh, I think when something, I think when Kyle Larson does this, that hopefully in the long run, we can have these conversations and figure that out. You can't make people like NASCAR. You can't make fans like NASCAR, but you can make them feel welcome. And that's the first step. And if they don't feel welcome, they're not going to want to be here. They're not going to want to give it a chance. And they're not going to maybe want to have a career in this sport. So Yes, I think this absolutely sets us back. I think it's a big black eye. It's a very serious situation. And uh, all those conversations are rightfully taking place. And and again, it's unfair for, you know, because it, it it's terrible when people are trashing the sport and wanting to pull out all these stereotypes, but it's completely understandable. So it is sad. I hate it because, of course, it's it's the sport I love. It's the sport I work in. But I have to take my blinders off and realize that those are all fair points and all fair conversations. Um, you know, from a personal standpoint, one of my best friends is African-American and I haven't had the conversation with her yet. Cause I gotta be honest with you. I'm a little afraid of what she's going to say because I love when she already asks me questions about the sport and what I do. And I can tell that she's trying to have an interest in it, but she does bring up the point, you know, it doesn't look very diverse. And, and when I do have that conversation with her, I'm sure she's going to be uh, very forward with, with how she feels about this. And, and that's, the, that's the sad part. That, that, that absolutely is the sad part, is how far back this is going to take us. Um, again, the egg on our face, the fact that this happens during an absolutely worst time. I mean, not that there is a good time for something this terrible to happen, but uh, you know, for the mainstream media attention, all and all the celebrities and all the athletes that I've seen tweet about it, and and uh, you know, tag Kyle Larson and just all of, it's just it is sad. It sucks. It sucks for everybody involved, and um, it does hurt. It hurts. It hurts me. You know, again, because this is the sport I love. So, uh, but again, in the long run, I think I. I <sighs> I, I think and I hope this will open up some more conversations of more things we need to be doing in NASCAR. Amen, Sister Kelly. And I appreciate your willingness to be honest with this and the fact that, you know, uh, having a friend who you're uncomfortable broaching the subject with, that's real. That is as real as you can be. So please know how much that is appreciated. Let's transition a bit over to you chris using a little bit of this larson if not a lot of this larson thing you have seen in formula one folks say or do stupid things there's usually a window for not just saying sorry but also atonement something any surprise from your end that here we are recording this thursday i mean what it's uh dinner time in the uk for you here we are on thursday kyle rolled this word out ended his world sunday night had a fairly weak 
42-second apology video Monday morning, but has said nothing else in terms of, here's the thing that goes beyond me just saying sorry. Here's the thing I might say or do or tell you that I'm going to do to try and whatever it is, learn, educate myself, um, again, some form of atonement. Do you think, is that a surprise? Or do you think maybe this is something that'll take longer for someone in a situation like this to add action beyond just saying sorry? I guess it's not a huge surprise in the sense of just the times that we're living in right now. Not a lot happening quickly. Um, it is on social media, as Kyle found out. But um, I, there's a lot of other things that to make real progress or change or whatever does take longer right now. Um, but I'd like to think that that kind of lack of follow-up is because there's a realisation and an acceptance that it can't just be, um, you know, half-baked. It has to be serious, um, considered, uh, genuine attempt to try and fix what needs fixing um, from his perspective. And, yeah, like you say, a, a 42-second apology video isn't going to do it. So I, I think off the back of that, he will hopefully be aware that it, it's going to take more and, and maybe he's just getting the magnitude of it all right now. But like you said, we, we've had it in, in Formula 1 before with uh, drivers saying stupid things and, and getting the repercussions. And, I mean, of the most recent... Uh, example I can think of of the driver really losing it and getting themselves in hot water is what they said over team radio as well was um, Sebastian Vettel in Mexico. Uh, I think it was 2017, but he um, had a good old swear at, um, it might have been earlier, uh, at uh, Charlie Whiting, the race director, um, for not handing out a penalty, he felt, towards Max Verstappen that he felt he should have. Uh, and um, yeah, it was complete it was very rude uh, but there was apparently the slightly mitigating circumstance of heat at the moment even though no one else had ever done it before uh, and it took a couple of weeks for there to be sort of there was this apology then a more serious written apology that was personal then there was discussions and meetings in the background then there was um, the FIA going to Vettel and then him going back to them a lot of back and forth had to happen so it, that didn't happen instantly either and I think if you really do want to uh, instigate change and, and make something happen because it's such a sensitive topic and su- such a complex issue. You can't, there's no fix all, um, you know, just one thing that you have to do and obviously turn to to do it. Otherwise, we wouldn't have this, wouldn't be having this discussion because it would be much more simple. Uh, so I, I can see that's one of the reasons why it, it does take a fair bit of time. But um, something Kelly said actually about, you know, being awkward talking to certain people sometimes and, and how it can set your sport back. But I think we can all look at it. Um, it just motorsport in general is still not the most diverse place in the world. And this should hopefully shine a light, at least internally, on on why that is and and how that can maybe change in the future anyway. And, um, you know, whether we're talking about drivers or um, even just senior team personnel, there's, there is definitely a lack of diversity, um, certainly in Formula One and, and just from a very fairly basic standpoint looking at it across a number of motorsport categories. So um, this this does open up that kind of whole discussion of um, of how that can all be improved as well. And in in one sense, I'd, I'd like to think that more people will, instead of just, just looking at what Carl Larson's done and, and 
him trying to make things better at how generally as a as a overall sport we can make things better i feel like we need a quick podcast palette cleanser snoop medley med can you tell us about a certain young fine british formula one driver um who committed to shaving his head to raise money uh to support uh virus related uh funds to help and do something good uh that's something that i i think maybe we'll we'll touch on that before we get to some more sad things that you've had to cover but tell us about young lando norris and admittedly ahead i probably never want to see shaved yeah i mean i still think he did half a job it's um it's not grade zero he's kind of gone i think he got like a beard trimmer he had to order it i was supposed <laughs> to speak to him before he did it and he had to order it online and wait a few days so i think he committed to doing it at the weekend and it wasn't until the thursday night that he actually filmed himself doing it because he had to wait for the uh razor to be delivered but uh, yeah he it was part of a, a twitch stream that was to um, just help raise money and he said if his uh, followers donated uh, $10,000, I think it was, might have been pounds, but I feel like it was in dollars, um, then that he would shave his head. And they raised 12000 so he, he committed to it, which was good on him. Um, and he's been very active on uh, sort of sim racing and Twitch. And he, he'll get himself in trouble too, to be fair. I mean, not to anywhere near the same extent, but he, he was jumping in different cars when he shouldn't have been. There was an official F1 uh, event oh, no, it wasn't an F1 event actually it was um, uh, another it's like a, a chase event I think it was from Veloce but it was one of the other um, esports platforms and he was racing against other threshold drivers and been in the McLaren all the way through and then he was annoyed that it meant he was starting second on the grid all the time in head-to-head one lap battles so he just switched to the Mercedes so he'd start on pole um, which I'm sure <laughs> McLaren's partners were delighted to see um, but uh in the end, I think the final round, I think they did a round of two Mercedes and then a round of two McLarens, and he just about got away with it. But, um, yeah, th- there's there's a landed freedom here, isn't there, for drivers at the moment to kind of do what they want. And they're, they're, um, they're running free a bit with um, sim racing and just other social media. Twitch is the one I keep bringing up because Charles Leclerc has been doing the same. And something that's great from all of them. So Lando obviously shaved his head, but uh, Clerk along with Albon, uh, Russell, Latifi, Giovinazzi, I'm trying to make fun of get anyone else um they've all committed to this race for the world event basically where they are grouping up and doing on a group of three online races uh and streaming it on twitch and and being very entertaining and funny for fans to follow and again wanting them to donate and they're aiming for a hundred thousand dollars in total and they were up to about fifty thousand i think after the second race so um yeah there's, there's lots of guys involved there. there's a few um MotoGP guys i think in there some other junior drivers, so they've, they've done well with the, the crew they've got together. Um, and that's that's been good to see, good good initiative taken by a few of these guys to just try and do their bit. I mean, I'm just disappointed Lando didn't set the bar at like 15,000 and he'll shave his entire body. Like, if you're going to do it, like, come on, get in there, well, you, do it. You say that, but Daniel Ricciardo did ask Lando the question in a press conference in uh, Silverstone last year whether he had hit puberty yet because he was so young and small and Lando just could not stop crying. Um, And and I think Lewis was in the middle of an answer, sat in in between them and and Daniel was laughing a bit, but Lando was in absolute pieces. Um, And basically they had to stop the press conference while Lando tried to regain his composure. Um, So yeah, that was, uh, and it's, imagine having to be Daniel Ricciardo then when, when Lewis Hamilton says to you, 
sorry, what's going, what's going on? Why, you know, what's wrong with him? And you have to say, oh, I asked him if he's got any pubes yet. Um, <laughs> that's the highbrow content of the Formula One press conferences for you. <sighs> Kelly, I just apologize for now, our side yeah, of the uh, uh, of the species. <laughs> we're never we. No matter how old we get, we're never mentally older than five years old. Um, <laughs> Chris, let's talk about some of the harder stuff you've had to write about. One, an obituary for the man known as Mister Motor Racing, uh, and you've also been writing about some of the deeper effects Formula One teams are feeling in the reactions they're making during this shutdown financially. And you've also just been digging in and covering more of potential postponements and such, uh, just as Kelly has been burning up her keyboard. You have as well with stuff that I'd say, while very different than the Kyle Larson scenario, probably not a whole lot warmer or happier. No, the only really positive stuff I've been able to write about in recent weeks has been F1 teams working on ventilators over here in the UK on like a group project, which has been good to see. And Mercedes delivered 10,000 of them um, that the UK government purchased, which was uh, very impressive. It's all been part of a big umbrella um, sort of setup. So that's been cool. But yeah, everything else has been it's been pretty um, sad or negative. And yeah, um, woke up to the news on Sunday morning. Um, that Sterling Moss had, had passed away and he hadn't been well for a long time, but it's still always um, really, really sad when you get that sort of news. And he was just such a great character. Um, I only met him a few times, but he was one of those. You were, you were nervous about what he was going to say for a number of reasons, um, mainly because you just knew his, his his experience and his knowledge was just going to blow you out of the water and you just felt you weren't worthy of having a conversation with him, to be honest, and that he'd tell you something or ask you something that you didn't know about and he'd be like, oh, you're a fraud, go away. Um, mm. But no, he was always he was always warm and um, wanting to talk about motor racing with anyone and everyone and um, happy to voice his own opinion as well um, and strongly even, you know, his final years which was very impressive it was always cool to see uh and i've got a funny story actually about this i used to work at uh, espn uh, before i went freelance and just before i joined there they used to have a sterling moss column uh, in, on the f1 website in the uk and they paid him pretty handsomely for it and it was really good and it was my um my boss at the time a guy called lawrence edmondson would go and interview uh, moss at his home in, in central london and they then did like a final end of season review one i think or something additional that they added on where they used a few different contributors so lawrence went again and they had to negotiate a, an additional fee or something and sterling said oh that's fine just um I'll, I'll just i'll do it for a box of chardonnay so he had to go around with this uh, expensive box of chardonnay i think it was a specific one um and and pay the man in in some fizz so um or some, with some wine so i, I admired that a lot so, um, that was kind of his style, so yeah, I think it made for a good Christmas. But yeah, he was um, he was a great character, and you only have to look at we've talked social media a lot, I know, but the reactions on there from from drivers that spoke to him as well, and from different eras. I mean, I know Jensen Button, I think, has changed his profile pictures to pictures of Sir Sterling. So um, yeah, there was huge respect for him, and, and it goes to show as well. You don't have to have all the accolades or have titles or a certain number of wins uh, for people to regard you as great so um yeah it was very sad to write about and a, and a tough time but at the same time it was nice that we've also been able to reminisce and appreciate um just how 
brilliant he was as a as a driver uh, and a person as well. But um, yeah, that was that was probably the toughest day of the week. But as you say, there's been other stuff too with a lot of teams furloughing still. Um, in in the UK, they've been able to take advantage of a government sort of a job retention scheme, so they can hopefully keep employees. Uh, earning some money and keep their jobs for them for whenever we get out of this situation. Uh, and more and more teams have been having to do it. And yeah, starting to see the, the impact of that. There was, uh, one of the teams, I got a couple of friends at work there and, and they're a couple and one of them's been furloughed on 50% pay. One of them is, has had to take a pay cut to continue. And that's the same household then has taken a huge hit. Um, and it's, you know, they're really nervous about how long this will go on for. So there's, there's some real, struggles starting to to appear for certain people and when we then get news of the french Grand Prix looks unlikely to happen because of bans on public gatherings there for the until july uh the belgian grand prix was a bit surprising actually but um i did get a bit of a, bit of a tip off from our good friend mr kilby stephen kilby mm. gave me a call and said he'd heard that racing in belgium was looking ropey um for a lot further into the year than anywhere else had been and then yeah the next day until the end of august which only is one day after the date for the belgian grand prix but it's obviously a reason they've put that in place so yeah we're right now everyone's kind of going one when are we going to be able to restart this but but two what the heck is the season that look like because for a for a spell we were thinking maybe in september we can do the calendar as it stands and add a few races and now i think it's it could be absolute any mix of, of races and destinations so um yeah, your guess is good to mine on that one. We're we're talking about race a lot this episode. Thankfully, we've pivoted to pivoted to motor racing. Thankfully, uh, you mentioned on the the finances side, Chris, with us seeing more and more teams furloughing, laying off, etc. Kelly, want to come back to you on this topic and just throw in? Did read this morning that it, here in the good old America. The Triple P program we discussed towards the end of the first roundtable we did, uh, the $349 billion set aside through this Paycheck Protection Program, those funds have been exhausted. So for it to continue, uh, more money would need to be approved. I know of one team. uh, I've called around to a number of teams. I've only had one say that they have been approved. There's been a bit of a stigma, though, as I've learned, in that I may have actually, friends, spoken with a number of folks who were approved, teams were approved, and will be receiving support. But there's a lot of sensitivity. The team owner who did tell me, yes, we were approved, we will be receiving funds, did not want their name mentioned the series they were in out of the perception, the fear of a team in our racing structure. We know that teams rely on personal funding, a wealthy person who starts and pays for it all themselves, or which is the absolute majority sponsors, companies, corporations spending with teams for promotions. There's a definite fear of speaking up publicly and being seen as a team receiving, you know, call it a handout, whatever it is, there's a real concern that I guess I shouldn't be surprised about, but I have been a little bit 
caught off guard by how many folks have just not wanted to acknowledge whether they have or haven't received uh, out of fear that they might be looked at some kind of way by sponsors or otherwise. What do you think about that, Kelly, uh, about the perception side and whether that's just, is it pride? Is it false? I don't know what it might be. And curious if and what you might have heard on this topic in NASCAR and maybe even on some of the more furlough and, and cost-cutting sides, like Chris mentioned in F1. Yeah, I think you hit something there of not wanting to talk about it. So in NASCAR, we, we mentioned it a little bit on the last podcast that it was starting to get to the point where you know some teams were furloughing or laying people off, hopefully temporarily, uh, because they don't know when money is going to come in. Again, they're not getting charter money. They're not getting TV money because we're not racing. So, you know, depending on how their sponsorship money is set up, how those agreements are, they may not be getting their sponsorship money and you have to pay your employees, but you also have to pay the bills. So, um, you know, Richard Childress Racing is one that I believe has furloughed, furloughed employees. I believe Front Row Motorsports has uh also done something i can't remember what the term was that's going on with them uh it is getting harder the longer that this goes on you know at the beginning when this first started you know uh, when folks were hoping that we would be back racing by martinsville they kind of could lay out a schedule to where they could all right we could pay our people hopefully for this amount of time but the longer it goes on the tougher it's going to be so i think we're starting to get into that time period now where it's getting tougher and decisions are having to be made. Um, but when it comes to talking about it, you know, it's interesting you, you bring that up because one of the things that I discovered when we were doing these lockdown diaries of all the requests that I would send, there were a lot of teams and a lot of companies that don't want to talk. They don't want to uh, mention how they are navigating this. They, they just did not want to be on the record. They didn't want to, um, you know, uh, talk about what was going on. And in NASCAR, it's always been like money is a little bit taboo to talk about, you know, like driver contracts are very private. Those are, those are held close to the vest. Uh, pri- we, we stopped, uh, releasing uh winner's purses and prize money uh for races um you know things of that nature i i I don't know why i don't know why over the last couple years it's become almost a taboo subject but i think you're absolutely correct that uh and certainly when we are now in a situation like this that there's people who don't want to put on the record what they're having to do because they don't want the perception that uh, either they're in a really bad shape or that they can't take care of their employees or um, they're being selfish, you know, like it, it, let's put it this way, you know, hypothetically, let's say a big team came out and said, you know, we're laying off people or we're furloughing people. Wouldn't you think, you know, there's going to be some blowback of people who are like, well, wait a minute, surely you can afford that. What are you, what are you doing here? So I, I think you're absolutely correct, Marshall. I think that it's a little bit of, just people wanting to not be on the record of what's going on. And again, that goes back to the diaries, you know, all the people that I had say no. And, and again, I just, I don't know why money is just such a taboo subject in the NASCAR world. Hmm. Let's close on this. Hopefully this isn't too heavy of a topic to close on, but Hey, it's my podcast. 
I'll go ahead and do it. I <laughs> spoke to the boss and he approved. Something hit me really hard late yesterday. And this isn't a me thing. I'm just sharing that. Wow. This was really heavy. So about once a month, I get a direct message or an email, some sort of, uh, direct communication from a reader or listener. It's often a listener of the podcast who says having some very difficult times uh, could be contemplating or could have been contemplating suicide, could have been contemplating something very negative, self-destructive, or in that general vein, and through the podcast, through other podcasts, through the things that uh, Chris Medlin, who has a new podcast that's not a podcast that isn't a podcast, or whatever the title is, which I love, <laughs> or a Kelly Crandall with her podcast, or Name Our Friends, Dinner with Racer, we can name many, but for those who spend time each week not just writing words, but actually speaking directly man-to-man, man-to-woman, woman-to-man, etc., voices, speaking to an audience, treating them like a family, and being inclusive, the net result sometimes, like I said, at least on this end, it's, you know, I mean, I get a lot of stuff every day, but the ones that stand out like this are about once a month of someone who's going through some incredibly hard times, and they express thanks or appreciation or something that the podcast or a podcast, whatever helped them through that dark period. And the frequency is what I wanted to touch on here. The frequency of these types of communications and outpourings and outreaches, they have gone up noticeably during the shutdown. And it, it leads me to believe a lot of folks out there in our world of racing that we love, who we try and feed through, again, words or videos or podcasts that entertain, are struggling. It might not be specifically due to sheltering in place or the lockdown. It, who, again, not going to get into the, the causal causation points, but I know because I see what's coming in that there's more folks than normal who are at home really struggling right now what comes to mind uh, for the two of you on what can be done how we can possibly do more and help for those with connections name the media outlets i know this is the racer roundtable podcast that i'm doing here but this isn't you know this isn't unique to us um what comes to mind on what we can do how we can do whether it's as professionals or just members of our local community to try and do more, see if we can help more. Cause what landed heavy with me last night was I'm not doing enough. I got to do a lot more. I can't just receive these things when they come in and react. I need to take a proactive approach. What things come to mind? Cause I'm not totally sure on what the answer is yet. Well, I don't mind jumping in on that first in the sense that, um, when we look at here in Formula One, we're getting kind of criticized sometimes, or the sport is, for talking about when it might start up again and races and calendars and things like that. 
And I think it is something that's highlighted that you know, people are, are lacking their escapism at the moment. And that essentially is what sport is for a lot of viewers and fans. It's complete escapism from normal life. It's like when you sit and watch a movie or sometimes listen to some music or whatever, and you just try and you know, get away from the mundane every day. And I, you know, I do the same normally with other sports because now motorsport has me working, but that's because I'm one of the lucky ones. Um, so I think it has highlighted at the moment how important it is for people to try and find another type of escapism, um, which is a lot tougher. Um, but also why we have these discussions of something that seems so trivial about some cars racing around a track and trying to work out who gets there first is because of the role it actually does play in people's lives uh, and how it helps them through certain times. So I, th I think we've, we've seen the importance of that. Um, in terms of what we can do, uh, it's a very good question that I wouldn't have a, an obvious big answer to, but you said about outlets or uh, platforms. I certainly think something like uh, Reddit, where you have a very big, engaged uh, set of fans that, uh, you know, there's such big numbers on there, but that are all feeling similar things right now in the terms of, you know, missing rating. Um, I'm, I'm on the Formula One subreddit quite a bit and um, people reminiscing, but not just back six months to when things were normal, but using the time to look back far beyond that and look at other times that times were hard and then they got better and, and what was called from in the past and just taking that bit of time to contemplate a little bit more sort of the wider world we're in and, and trying not to get too stuck in narrowing in on how tough it is right now. Um, because there's been so many tough times in, in history and, and every time people get through it eventually. And it's just kind of trying to remind people of that, uh, and keep everyone's, um, spirits up in that way, I guess. But, uh, and it's tough in this, in the way that, you know, most of the stuff we've been writing about and talking about has been fairly negative or not exactly, um, fun things to be covering. So, um, we can keep trying to push the positives and I try and do that with, uh, anything that I can cover, but, um, understandably you can't then, um, you know, ignore everything that's going on. So uh, I think it's just down to us to, to keep trying to provide and keep trying to, um, cover it as best we can, because if we could do that, then hopefully there's a strong product at the end of it all, uh, for everyone to get back to. Kelly, caring for the mental health, the mental safety of those who might look to reporters like yourselves, myself, all the others, those who have these connections and contacts. And thank you for that, Chris. What comes to mind on your end, knowing that, again, we got more folks at home than we probably know who are really struggling right now? Yeah, I'm with you. I don't know. I don't know if there's an answer because it's one of those things where I actually thought about this the other day where you get so stuck in your own bubble. You don't you don't sometimes take the time to think about the bigger picture, to think about uh, what's going on with other people. You know, f speaking for me personally, the reason I thought about this the other day is because, you know, I sit here and I think of how can I provide content? You know, what stories can I tell? Because yes, there's people home who are hungering for something to do for something to talk about. And I was thinking of it just from a content perspective. 
You know, what, what, how can I do my job? How can I provide? But I think, again, it goes bigger than that, right? You know, how can we find other ways to, uh, it's escape reality, escape, uh, always hearing or reading about what is going on in the world. And, um, I'm not sure I know the answer. I, I think that's something that I need to sit down again and really think of the bigger picture and not be so selfish and not and not just get mad because I can't think of a story or I can't think of of a, of a podcast. Um, so I will say though, uh, you know, Chris kind of kind of hit on it. You know, with social media and Reddit and things like that. I I you know, social media, a lot of the time gets a bad rap because of how terrible things can be on there. I think in, you know, I think today, what the reason it comes to mind is because it can be a great place. Because, you know, when everybody is at home, and you can't do much, you know, you can go on there and and engage with people and find things to talk about. And, uh, you know, one of the things I've tried to do is, you know, if I'm not talking about racing, here are the books that I'm reading. Maybe people can can find something that I've read that they want to read and they want to do or, or, hey, who's binge watching what? And it sounds so simple, but I, I think that's part of it is just remembering to communicate and talk to other people and use social media as something other than just talking about racing and like Chris said talking about when racing is going to come back and what the schedule is going to be and debating who should be in the hall in the NASCAR Hall of Fame and who was who should not be on the ballot and um but again Marshall as you said I I don't know if I have an answer because I think honestly I can I can admit that I think I have to do a better job of sometimes sitting down and and thinking about more than what's just going on in my own little bubble I'm with you trying to come up with some actionable things so this is more of a at the asking questions not exactly sure uh praying for clarity hoping my brain actually becomes my friend again and offers good ideas and solutions um so yeah far from a uh, even partially formed idea but i am certainly more and more aware that we collectively doing what we do as the direct link between folks who love this sport and the people and things that make it happen. Uh, I know that we have a greater role to play, just still trying to think through what it would be in its most positive and beneficial form. I also love the fact that you mentioned a word I'm not exactly sure I've heard before. You said book. What is that? Uh, that sounds like some old timey thing, uh, by the way. Um, but that is a great point and it has been interesting to see just, has there ever been a greater point in human history of content generation? I would have to say no, because I look at my Instagram feed and people whose faces I sometimes forget every single one of them is talking straight into their phone, filming some sort of something for the first time. Hey, should I start a podcast? Should I start a video blog? Should I whatever? The daily Dario Franchitti career diaries of this year I drove this car and it was garbage, but my engineer was great, but the tires were junk. And but and I'm like, this is amazing. The sad part is I'm going to need to get through 
this coronavirus shutdown to then go back and consume all this stuff because I can't keep up with it now. There's so dang much coming out. Everybody is trying to do their part in sharing, distracting, and so on. Just say the, the revelation that hit me was the distraction is a, a good thing, but what does that word distract mean? You're trying to divert attention away from something greater. And as I mentioned, we are agents of distraction, which is good. But I think for at least what I've seen coming in more frequently uh, from readers and listeners, high level of distraction helps, but there comes a point where that isn't even enough. And that underlying thing of feeling isolated at home, uh, whatever it might be, uh, maybe the balance is off there a little bit with so much distraction that underlying problems are developing and uh, living unaddressed. So something I need to think about more and provided my brain does become an ally again, might have something actionable to talk about here in the coming weeks. That's about all I got friends. What about the two of you snoop medley med what to give us something fun. What are you working on? What are you thinking? Uh, are you eye racing? Either of you doing sim racing yet? Well, I, first thing I was going to say is you were just trying to think of ideas. I reckon if you get any more um, of these uh, emails or people reaching out to you that are struggling, next time we do a roundtable, uh, I'm going to propose a segment where e- each one of us do um, a day when I sucked or something like that. And from from between now and when we next talk, Basically, we'll just admit to the time that we either did something wrong or we just were feeling low or whatever, and we'll just because um, I'm guilty for it. You, when you're on social media, when you're on anything that's going out publicly, like a podcast or doing TV or whatever, you're trying to be the the best version of yourself you can be. You're trying to, you know, like this. I'm trying to talk in the most engaging way or you are so say cute. The most entertaining I stuff. gave up on this and, years ago, Medlin, but I love the fact you're young. <laughs> you're still trying. You too, Kel. I mean, come on. You, you get to be well, almost 50. You're like, look, people know I suck, but I love it. You guys are going to have some great stuff here. People just accept I, it with me. I, yeah. I say that every time I do a podcast, after every time I record my intro or exit, I'm like, well, that sucked. There we go. But that's a great idea, away. Chris. <laughs> um, but yeah, just to, cause I met with none of us are perfect. And, um, on that theme, like you say, sim racing, I've had a little go at uh, GT Sport, um, and I'm awful at that when I race my mates online, like really bad. Um, and I don't know why I'm doing it. I'm trying to practice whenever I get the chance. I've got a little racing seat and things, but I just am not good enough. Um, and everyone beats me and it makes me feel inadequate. So uh, that's another time that I suck. Um, did you, you said something positive. Didn't you? Oh, well, actually, you, you mentioned the podcast. I've become one of those guys who set up his own podcast. I kept threatening to do it, as you know, Marshall. Um, I actually asked for some advice earlier in the year, and um, I kept threatening to set one up. And then just with this lockdown time, I actually had the time to do it and thought, well, why not? People, as you say, are, are wanting stuff to consume and are, are wanting to kind of reach out a bit more. So had loads of questions to answer. Uh, got a couple of mates on for different ones, made sure that we had a drink in hand because we just made it like you going down the pub and letting off steam, basically, because that's what I think a lot of people need to do right now. And certainly here in the UK, you can't go down the pub. So, uh, yeah, we made a virtual pub and uh, it, we just talk a lot of rubbish. But um, I've been quite enjoying that. It's been great to have some interaction with people and um, to just be yourselves and 
try not to present the perfect version of yourself all the time. So, uh, yeah, I've quite enjoyed that. Tell us, Chris, I know that I saw the first episode on Racer, but where can folks find that? Uh, where does it live? And also share with folks, I guess, some of your social media handles and such so they can enjoy the uh, the, the silliness you might offer there. Oh, it's bug time. Um, so, yeah, Racer, I'm kindly hosting them just as some extra content if anybody would like it. Um, it's called The Podcast There's Not a Podcast Podcast because – it kind of happened accidentally, sort of, and everyone apparently is setting up podcasts, so I didn't want to say I'd set one up, but really I have. Uh, my Twitter handle is at ChrisMedlandF1, and I tweet about it a fair bit, but it's also on Podbean. If you just search my name, uh, you'll find it on Apple Podcasts, you'll find it on Spotify, um, and a few other things. It's, on, it's not yet on Google Podcasts. It hasn't found it yet, but um, eventually it'll appear there. But, yeah, if you if you do um, search for my name in one of the main podcast generators you'll you'll find it come up and um yeah we just we just ramble a bit so yeah it was nate saunders from espn on the first one lawrence barretto from formula one um the actual company itself was on the second one and then i've got a photographer james moy on tomorrow so um yeah thought of grabbing a bit with him oddly i listened to it on myspace so good good on you there for making that happen what about you kel let's i had no idea yeah hey uh, (laughs) What about you, Cal? Let's close with uh, something fun that you're doing or that's coming to mind and where we can find all of your awesomeness. Yeah. Uh, Well, books. If you need some book recommendations, I've been reading a lot of books. I I read a lot already, but uh, this quarantine has given me an excuse to actually not feel bad about how much I've been reading. So uh, doing a lot of that. I think I'm late to the party because I just read Will Buxton's book. Um about the title i i believe was uh my my biggest greatest defeat, defeat or, yeah yeah greatest defeat uh i'm late to the party on that but it was tremendous so uh, i've been telling everybody that will listen about that book uh, other than that um you know i finally got my head screwed on straight and i realized that i should probably save some of my uh, work from over the years so i have been uh, digging around the internet and pulling some old stories that uh, I want to save, you know, either just feature stories that I uh, spent a lot of time really enjoyed doing, or maybe some news things that I covered that I want to hang on to. So I think I'm going to start maybe uh, posting those on social media, kind of just a trip down memory lane. So people can, uh, again, just have something to look at and reflect and uh, so doing that and, uh, so sim racing. So obviously in NASCAR, we kind of, I guess you could say, kind of kick that off with, you know, those iRacing events. And, um, you know, I've kind of, you know, I've been, I've been watching, I've been writing my race recaps and, you know, just kind of doing, I got to admit, I kind of been doing the bare minimum, but, um, I I will say this for people, just stay tuned because uh, I, I want to wait until it's all finalized and set up. But um, I, I may have to actually jump into that myself and uh, kind of make a fool out of myself. So that will be uh, that will certainly provide some entertainment. So I will uh, I will do my part on that for sure. So I, I will say stay tuned when it comes to that. Rowdy Crandall coming to an iRace near you. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Friends, thank you. you and, and for those who don't know, who have listened, there's no notes. There's no agenda. There, This is just a conversation among friends, hoping a little bit of insight about whatever it is that we do 
uh, how it gets done and just trying to share maybe a little bit of behind the scenes, the, uh, the inside baseball aspects of what we do in this wacky thing of writing, reporting, and opining. I am Marshall Pruitt. That is the awesome Kelly Crandall. That is Snoop Medley Med, a.k.a. Chris Medland. Thank you to you for listening. Thank you to Racer for saying, hey, why don't you guys do this? And thank you to Cooper Tires and the Justice Brothers for their awesome support making this platform possible. <laughs>